Welcome to the Scottish Fisheries Museum podcast series, Anchored, Marine Life in Lockdown. In this series, we take a look back through lockdown so far and share the experiences of people and organisations linked to the marine environment and maritime industries in Scotland. I am Andrea and in this episode we speak to Catherine Gemmel from the Marine Conservation Society, Emily Haig from the Sea Mammal Research Unit and Susan Davis from the Scottish Seabird Centre. We talk about conservation, the change in littering habits and the effect it can have on marine life. We also discuss how we can help make things better and look to a green and blue recovery when we come out of lockdown. So let's find out more about our guests and how the pandemic has affected them and their workplaces. So my name's Catherine Gemmel and I'm the Scotland Conservation Officer for the Marine Conservation Society. This is probably the longest time in my entire life that I have not been on a beach or been in the sea, which is quite crazy. Um, I grew up on the Murray coast, so having Fintorn Beach literally on my doorstep, which was lovely, and every other job kind of I've had has always involved being near the coast or taking people to the coast. So just that kind of impact of not being on the beach to be able to run beach cleans or to engage people in seeing see that sea out there, this is all the wonderful creatures that live in it. Um, So that's had a huge impact on how I can deliver what I do because engagement was such a big part. So like everybody else, it's suddenly realizing how do we engage people in marine conservation when we can't take them to the sea and we move everything on to the the wonderful but slightly scary world of online. Hello, I'm Susan Davis, the Chief Executive of the Scottish Seabird Centre. We're based in North Berwick on the edge of the Firth of Forth. COVID-19 and the lockdown had a huge impact on our charity. In mid-March, we had to close our centre to visitors, just at the time that the busiest part of the spring-summer wildlife season was kicking off. And of course, the visitors returning to experience this spectacle. The closure brought an immediate financial crisis, with the loss of our primary source of trading income from our visitor attraction at what should have been the busiest part of the season, a time when we build up financial reserves that keep our charity running throughout the year. There was also the people impact, with many of our team, our staff, volunteers and members shocked that we had to close and worried about the future of the charity. Most of our staff had to be placed into furlough, leaving just a skeleton team to tackle the financial challenge. So I'm Emily Haig. I work as a project scientist at SMU Consulting. Um, So SMU stands for the Sea Mammal Research Unit, and that's based within the University of St Andrews. For the most part, during the winter months, my normal job is desk-based in the winter. So that's just writing reports, doing literature reviews, um, so I, I can work from anywhere that's got a computer really but we're just not allowed in the office at the moment but in the summer months normally from May till September we normally do these a bottlenose dolphin survey out on the boat once or twice a week which we haven't been able to do so it's just been at home all the time which has been a real shame because these surveys um, have been running on the east coast of Scotland population for the past almost 30 years on and off but mostly on 
constant effort for the past 20 years so this is the first year where we've got a bit of a gap in the data just because we've not been able to get out because of the restrictions. Even before lockdown there has been an increased awareness of climate change, rising sea levels and changes to marine environments. Our last podcast series Sea Change looked at these issues with industry and science experts and was made to enhance the exhibition of the same name that will be displayed in the museum until January 2021. Moving back to the theme of this podcast, when it came to the lockdown first being imposed in March, it seemed like lockdown might have been helpful. It is, definitely. And actually, you know, we've not travelled at all. You know, I've not driven the car for like three months. So it's also actually... I think given us a lot of ideas about how we can do our jobs even more sustainably as well. And the fact that I can actually speak to people and engage them through different online settings and reaching a lot more people. Reduce carbon emissions with more people working from home, reduced electricity usage from shutdown offices and less litter from takeaways and even people with extra time doing litter picks. I think at the moment the marine biology and maybe the science or biological community in general is quite excited to see how less shipping um, and less fishing noise underwater might affect like marine mammals if it's the first time in a long time they maybe had quieter seas but I don't think that is going to last for much longer so we'll be really interested to see like um, how they react to a quieter time The feeling of community was also on the up with support for the NHS and many signing up to help the more vulnerable in their community. However, as lockdown became less strict, it has been all over the news. Litter you would normally expect in a busy city, being seen on small beaches, national parks and other wild areas due to the sheer volume of visitors arriving, even with no amenities. Yeah, it's pretty horrifying actually. So I saw a picture of like a seagull that had got the uh, mask wrapped around its its legs trying to fly and it's it's scary the amount of like pandemic related litter that we're starting to see. So I've I've never cycled before, but since lockdown I've taken up cycling and I'm just noticing I've seen masks and like rubber gloves littered around the streets around here. Like we live in what I thought was quite a nice little fishing communities and this it's even affecting us. You think that we're kind of safe from that that littering world. And then I've been out on the paddleboard as well and I saw a mask floating in the water and it's just quite like crazy that you I hope that lockdown would make us feel a bit more back in touch with thinking about what we're doing and slowing down a bit. Um, So yeah, that's a a shame that there's now a new form of litter that's all disposable and we need it faster than we can um, find a way to make like recyclable masks and gloves or at least mass produce them. So the, the disposable stuff is readily available now and you use it once and that's the nature of all the plastic problem that we've got is that you use it once but it lasts for maybe thousands of years so it's a bit scary that there's a whole new reason that you can't really argue with either but it's it's scary. There is now the term Covid litter or lockdown litter consisting of masks, gloves and the like as well. I had a chat with Catherine about her feelings about this. 
we have seen, I think uh, everyone will have seen these kind of pictures on the news of the increase of litter on some of our most favourite beaches, from our parks and everything as well. So it's how do we get the people who are enjoying nature and going out for walks more often to realise the impact they have when they then start to travel further afield or go back to their favourite beaches, that they're having a negative impact as well. So it is, it's going to be a very careful kind of but making sure that we're not then going to be damaging the environment even more so even though it's had that short window of kind of relief from human activity but on the positive side the amount of volunteers that we've seen that are now going back to their beach cleaning activities which is amazing um, as well because obviously we couldn't be running our beach cleans at all during lockdown but now we're coming into our different phases um, our volunteers have just rallied round and have been doing some amazing work starting to, to clean up their local patch and to record the important data as well. So I think the data is going to be really important to seek help from government to try and say, actually litter is even worse than ever because of everything that's gone on through the last three months. So would you be able to help our volunteers and organisations in tackling this so we can start to reduce it again? Ian Gulland, the Chief Executive of Zero Waste Scotland said, at a time when we are trying to protect our health, we can also protect the environment. Littered face coverings are a needless recent blight on our streets and it's a criminal offence to drop them. Disposable face coverings are different to masks worn by healthcare professionals. All disposable single-use face coverings and gloves cannot be recycled and should be placed in a general waste bin after use. This litter is sea-bound and could drastically harm our marine environments. So looking at it actually, like, I guess from the environment side, how do you think the lockdown has affected the marine environment? So it's really interesting and it's a question that I've been asked a lot and a lot by young people as well because obviously it's fantastic as part of the job is working a lot with youth groups um, and you know the kind of the youth climate strike movement has just been so powerful and so big and it's one of the most common questions is now isn't this brilliant for the environment you know all the humans are inside we've just let nature get back to doing its thing um, and there's been some lovely like anecdotal stories about you know people connecting more to nature seeing more wildlife coming into our urban areas and for the oceans, you know, there's a lot of reports about how quiet the ocean must be with reduced shipping and with reduced, you know, jet skis and pleasure yachts and the benefit that that would obviously have for our wildlife. But what I've always kind of just reminded everyone is this is just such a small window. And what's great is people are looking out that window and being like, oh, that looks really nice. So we have to make sure that as we come out of lockdown, we don't lose that view as it were, because if we just went back to exactly how we were before, we're still going to have our climate emergency. We're still going to have our ocean and our biodiversity crisis. So what can we do about it? So there's actually surprisingly a lot that people can still do. Um, so if we start literally at home, so if you're still shielding or you're still spending a lot of time just in your house, you can actually do a lot by your weekly shopping habits um, but we'll start off with the bathroom. What a lot of people don't realise is that whatever we flush down the loo can still end up in our oceans. So if we're having high rainfall or if our pipes get blocked, what the water companies will do is use pipes called sewer overflow pipes. So it means anything that you flushed 
could potentially end up in the ocean. So if people are flushing plastic um, cotton buds, nappies, wet wipes, they can still end up on our beaches and impacting wildlife. So it's a bit of a fun message that we always tell the kids, but I think it doesn't matter what age you are, it always kind of sticks with you. And that's to only flush the three Ps, P, paper, that's it, <laughs> everything else in the bin. So even if you live miles from the coast, your toilet's probably the closest thing to get access to it. So just changing your bathroom habits will have a massive impact. And obviously at the time that we're chatting just now, it's July. So there's this massive global movement called Plastic Free July going on. And for seven years, we've run something called the Plastic Challenge, where it challenges everyone to give up single-use plastic for the month. And this year we've done it slightly differently, where we've set everybody their own personal challenge. So some people are giving up one single-use item, say instead of buying water bottles, they're using a reusable one. Other people are still trying to give up as much as they can for a day, a week, a month just to raise awareness about how much we're using and how much could be potentially entering our ocean, as well as the resources that are also being used to make something that only is used for like a couple of minutes. But what I always say to people for the plastic challenge is it doesn't just have to be July. Try and change at any point in the year, even if it's just one change, and see if you can make it sustainable. And if you can then just keep trying to reduce your single use plastic, demand that your supermarket or that your shop changes what they're offering you. And it really does start to help. Catherine also gave some hints and tips to stay safe while beach cleaning. We launched Beachwatch, our beach cleaning and survey project, um, again, just after um, phase one came in. And so if you head to MCS UK, org forward slash beachwatch we've got a whole bunch of new safety guidelines you've never done a beach clean and a litter survey with us there's a really easy step-by-step -step guide on how to do it and obviously you can get in touch with us at any point because there's so many of us say like me who'd normally be going out collecting quite a lot of data and doing a lot of beach cleans that's not able to at the moment so if there's some new volunteers out there who'd like to get involved it would be amazing so the advice we're kind of giving now is Still to stay local, don't travel more than five miles to get to a beach to beach clean because we don't want to be encouraging people to travel just to, just to beach clean. So if you don't live near the coast, you can still help by litter picking in your local area, which is what I've been doing, whether it's a park or your street, because we do know that so much of the litter that enters the ocean comes from land. But if you're lucky enough to live near the coast, um, what we do ask you to do is to get in touch with the beach owner before you do it. Most often, this is the local council. And this just makes sure it won't clash with anybody else who's trying to run a beach clean as well. So we're not going to end up with lots of people on the same day trying to do a beach clean. And to just stick with either your household as well. So literally just really small events, just you and your friends and family. Um, and making sure that you're using gloves so usually like gardening gloves are really good using litter pickers if you've got them um, and also if you've contacted the council beforehand they'll be able to let you know where to leave the rubbish that's safe so then their staff can come and pick it up safely um, as well and it's kind of the same guidelines for all beach cleaning wear gloves don't touch things with your bare hands make sure you don't touch your face and make sure you wash them really well with hot soapy water afterwards and most importantly if you can upload your data on what you found on your 100 meters and um, which is our normal survey stretch but we do recognize because the groups will be so much smaller 100 meters might be quite far so at least 10 meters would be amazing you can get information from 10 meters of beach 
that's all going to help us do our campaigning to get government to bring in new legislation like the 5p carrier bag charge or banning cotton buds or bringing in a deposit return system for bottles we couldn't do any of that work without the data being collected by volunteers all in all we need to look at the bigger picture going forward Coming out of lockdown, of course we've got to focus on our health, but the environment is also crucial to our health. Susan from the Scottish Seabird Centre chatted to me about making sure we have a green and blue recovery coming out of lockdown. Well, people may have heard of the term of a green recovery. That's about ensuring that the risks of climate change, loss of nature and the general quality or health of our natural environment is central to our social and economic recovery. We believe this is very important and also use the phrase of a blue recovery. Our marine environment is the oxygen system that much of life on Earth depends on and yet it is under extreme stress from climate change, pollution and over-exploitation. We will play a greater part in raising awareness of the importance of Scotland's seas for society and our economy through habitat restoration, encouraging more sustainable fisheries, a more rapid transition to renewable energy and ways of reducing chemicals and underwater noise pollution. But one of the big pieces of work when you're asking the question about what do we need to keep going after this? is around a green-blue recovery for the whole country, for the whole planet, basically. So what we're working on with government, with other organisations, with volunteers, is coming up with ideas about how do we come out of this in a green recovery way. Scotland's Environment and Climate Change Secretary, Rosanna Cunningham, said, the coronavirus pandemic has been an unprecedented global crisis which has fundamentally changed every aspect of our lives. How we work, how we travel, how we use our land and other natural assets will all need to be reimagined in order to build Scotland's recovery and shape our future. This year's programme for government makes clear that our commitment to tackling the twin challenges of climate change and biodiversity loss is unwavering. Indeed, they are central to our recovery. She also said we will ensure our recovery is one that creates good quality, green jobs and ensures a fair and just transition to net zero, leaving no one behind. So the ideas for the future recovery of Scotland coming out of lockdown seem to be heading in the right direction. And Emily and Catherine had a little chat to me about their hopes for the future. I just think that I'm quite excited to see. Um, There's a lot of hydrophones that are all deployed like down the east coast of Scotland that are listening for dolphins and porpoises and and they've been deployed um, throughout lockdown and for like five years previous so I'm really looking forward to um, Marine Scotland taking those out of the water and getting a listen to those to see whether suddenly the the shipping noise has gone down and you can hear much more and whether or not they're using much more of the area that we didn't know about or be really interesting just to see how how things have changed these past few months and and learn something from that so i think that's that's something to look forward to hopefully 
the opportunity for a lot more people to work from home, so less traveling into offices and being able to engage with people online is definitely something we want to keep doing. It means everybody can be a bit more flexible with their working hours and we're finding that people can be a lot more productive when that happens. But also for our engagement as well, by still doing our educational webinars, by doing public talks, by doing podcasts, I think still keeping those going online because their reach is so much bigger than just us physically being in different places. So we hope to keep that going. Thank you to Catherine, Emily and Susan who took the time out during uncertain times to chat to me for this podcast. You may hear from them again in future episodes. Let us know your thoughts on the topics discussed in today's podcast on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by looking for at Scottfish Museum. Join us in two weeks for episode two of Anchored Marine Life and Lockdown. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 